Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 186 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Miracle. And you know, right before we started, Jacob started um, mentioning the movie Avatar Mm -hmm. because there's a new one coming out. Allegedly. And I need to know, did anyone like that junk terrible movie because i hated it it is infuriating that, that i is... heard people were like crying they loved it so much that, that's what i heard too, I, I don't barely it. made it to the end of that film i was just i mentally checked out when they plugged their hair into the flying horses and i was like <clears throat> i'm out of this movie the second i don't even remember the dude's name the star of that movie like they put him in oh sam oh, worthington i yeah, saw him come on screen terminator i thought he was gonna be a thing he was well, they were they were certainly trying he, he sucked didn't... all the all the charisma right out of the room as soon as he came on screen. Yeah, that that's not that's great. that's too bad. But it's a, still the top grossing movie of all time. It makes me sick to my stomach. But but why? Well, dirty tricks. Well, Should, maybe because people just went to see it. I mean, Endgame is number two. Endgame was number one, and then they re-released Avatar in like China for like two weeks, so it could be I number one like again. I don't like every trash. popular movie apparently. I'm becoming that curmudgeon. <laughs> you just sit there yelling at the screen, being aggravated. I'm sitting there. Just, I'm just reading my books. I really watch so much less TV and movies now, and choose to read. I don't know what's up with that. I think it just ebbs and flows. But mm. I'm very behind on my shows and movies because I've been picking up some real gems. Picking up them books. Picking up them books. Good, cause you got to get into it, man. I don't. I don't do it. So somebody on the show's got to actually read in a library podcast. You know, speaking of reading. I mean, who says that beautiful people can't be nerds at heart? That's true. Because plenty of celebrities love to read also, everybody. And have been very open about their favorite books. None of them are the Kardashians, but I assure you there are other ones who like to read out there. I wish I could never hear that name again. (laughs) I mean, I feel like Catcher in the Rye always pops up. That seems beloved by just about everyone. And then you get some weird stuff. Um, And because I've just been super into reading and was looking up some new stuff... We were like, oh, let's talk about what everybody's favorite pretty people are reading, like what their favorite stuff is. Indeed. Uh, you know, as we were looking it up, there were some of them where I'm like, no, it's not. Like I was reading Oh, 100%. Like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> That's like, not your favorite book. You didn't know what to say when they asked you in the interview and you were like, this is the first book that pops in my head. I kind of feel that way a lot of the time with Catcher in the Rye, that it's just like one that people pick. I'm like, That's not your favorite I book. I can barely even remember it. Can I tell you a terrible story that maybe I've told you before? What's that? Stop me if I have. I had an interview once for um, a children's library job at a different library. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they're asking standard questions. And then they asked like a fun one. Like if you could be a character from any children's book, who would you be? And I've never had this happen before or since. But in this moment, my brain, it was empty. Like I remember I was looking into my brain like, oh, give me a good kid's book where I want to be the character. And it was like a cavern. It was like just empty brain I couldn't think of one and they were staring at me and I was like oh my god they're gonna think I don't know anything about children's literature and then one just went sailing in so I was like oh I'd be lucky this character from this new children's book lucky and they were like oh okay now I hadn't read lucky but I'd see it so I was like oh my gosh what a blank so I found out and then I looked it up and she was like some character who was like an orphan who I think had been molested and that was she had like the whole book was about how terrible her life was and i was like that's the character i said i'd be if i could be anyone whoopsie you want to talk about (laughs) i did not get the job i did not get the job you didn't go with the cat in the hat to be like i like to Uh, break in and terrorize children you don't understand i couldn't think 
of one book that existed. <laughs> like, it, I'm serious. Like, my brain was empty. It was a really weird thing. And I was like, this is very stressful. I can't think of anything. I don't know. Nerves? Well, I, I guess so. But, not, but now you're never going to forget again. Somebody asked you children. I mean, characters. it's obviously Matilda. I loved Matilda. Who wouldn't want to be Matilda? Mm. She was so cool. Anyway. I never read Matilda, but I saw the movie. Oh, she was super cool. Um, okay, let's hop into it. And speaking of the prettiest people of all, let's start with Bill Murray. Ah, it's a favorite of yours. Oh, love Former him. Former Buffalo Library patron Bill Murray, of course. I'll never get over that. I didn't ah, know he was here. Never getting over brutal. it. But it's because Bill Murray's favorite author is Mark Twain, which is why he stopped by the library, because we mm-hmm. have the whole Mark Twain room. Um Huckleberry Finn, I think, is one of his favorites in the Mark Twain catalog. He feels that... Um, Mark Twain is having as much fun as possible, but he said that his favorite book is a two-parter by Lawrence Vanderpost, which is called A Story Like the Wind, and then the follow-up book is A Far Off Place. So what I read about it, because I am not familiar with it, is that Vanderpost has like a really incomparable knowledge of Africa, and that um, this book is set near the Kalahari Desert about a boy on the verge of manhood, and he... Um, He has like experiences with the wonder and the mystery of this still primitive land and then has like a secret friendship with one of the um, Bushmen. So it does really sound like Huckleberry Finn in a way. So I think he likes those adventure stories. It seems like it. I mean, when you're talking about Mark Twain, I mean, really, you can't really go wrong, period. I mean, that's his whole bit. But. You know, Jacob. he actually, I actually had, I'm uh, looking up his stuff too, and I actually had what used to be his favorite book, and it oh, like, used to be. resonated with me. I was All like, right. oh, Bill Murray, me and you are the same idea. He was a fan of The Plague by Albert Camus, and you know I love, love me some French oh, existentialism. Okay. So, you know, if you guys aren't familiar with Camus and The Plague, it's about the plague. Not exactly oh, wow. too, yeah, it's not exactly hard to figure out. It's basically about like the plague breaking out in this city, uh, Oran. And basically how the people deal with it, with all the new death and, you know, mm, end of the life like... going on. It's a Camus book, so, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, dark. It was one of those things. I've they, only read The Stranger. I him. think most people have. They actually, like, when I was in high school, we had, like, a whole, like, month where our teacher was like, okay, we're just going to read a bunch of dark poetry. So that involved a lot of, like, Albert Camus okay. stuff. Big surprise that my worldview got warped by that a little bit. But it's good to know that Bill Murray likes like kind of like the darker, more Wait, thoughtful stuff. Time out. It used to be his favorite, and it's not. Do you think because he read something he loved more, or do you think because he's like I'm so over plagues and well, <laughs> things I mean, like that? I'm now. sure now that's the way it is. That's I, I, very interesting. I feel like Bill Murray is one of those people that I, is going to be honest about stuff and be like, "Well, it was my favorite book." And then but, you we know. had a plague, yeah. and I was like, "This book stinks." Or it's like it's ten years later, and it's not my favorite anymore. It just happens. <laughs> like, he seems like the one person that wouldn't care if people be like i thought you said this i'm like yeah, well now it's not so but it makes you want to check it out anyway who else you got so this I is got, exciting so i got one speaking of like books that i feel everybody says is their favorite book okay totally are not you know a, a mirror to society nowadays i got timothy chalamet mel gibson and kit harrington we'll talk about a dynamic trio there uh, that all like 1984 by George Orwell is their favorite book. That's in my top 10 all-time favorite books. It's a good book. And you want to talk about one that is not at all predictive of the future. No, 0%. What no, are you talking nothing's about? Nothing's going on What are you there? talking about? Yeah, so I don't know why a book that's about the dangers of totalitarianism and about how people can get kind of gaslit by government propaganda and the authoritative Big Brother state 
basically watching everybody, manipulating your entire moves, and taking control of your life behind the scenes. I was really shook as a young person when I read that book. I was very, very affected by it, and I haven't read it recently. Um, yeah, neither. So that have would I. be interesting, but it's still the powerful memory of it keeps it in my top ten. I feel like they're both excellent books, but I feel like 1984 and Fahrenheit 451 are like you know connecting books they like go together at this point and i sure. feel like if brave you, new world yeah there's another yeah. one and if you read them all nowadays yeah look at them like it's just not at all horrifying to see where we are in society these days and it's what always very people scary. listen to and believe and all that stuff that's why books really help us deal with current situations yeah that's why they're great more people should read them would help Th- a lot they should like olivia wilde oh, okay. um she has is quoted as saying the world will be a more evolved place once we all read between the world and me by ta-nehisi coates and Mm -hmm. i could not agree more with that i know you're a ta-nehisi coates fan i mean that book should be required reading for sure very very profound it's a 2015 nonfiction book and it's written as a letter um to the author's teenage son about the feelings symbolism and realities associated with being black in the united states He's a beautiful writer as well. It just flows, but it's very, very profound. Um, yeah. Go. Oh, I also saw that Olivia Wilde has previously sung the praises of the book The Circle by Dave Eggers. Did you ever read that? No, I didn't actually. It, this story, it follows a young woman who joins a tech company and becomes embroiled in its desire to remove all privacy from the world. Now, listen, people, I know it became a movie and that everyone hated the movie. Mm-hmm. I did not see it, but the book was really great. <laughs> it's a common theme going on out there. It's just, it's yeah, sometimes they mess it up. I really liked the book, though, but it's the same kind of that 1984 feel of like the Googles taking over and getting Mm. into all your privacy and all your information and how we kind of willingly give that up. Very good book. Yeah. Something something to think about, everybody. (laughs) No, wait. We're keeping it light. Go give something good. Give us a light. Give us a good person. uh, Go check out Incredible Burt Wonderstone with Olivia Wilde. It's not as bad as it should be. No, I mean, give us another actor's good book. Sorry. (laughs) I was trying to think of a good Olivia Wilde movie and it's a little rough to do. It's not easy. (laughs) All right. So, uh, you know, talk about real movie stars. Here we go. Oh, we're gonna go with one of the biggest stars in the world, Mr. James Carey. You might have heard of him. Kind of, <laughs> kind of a big thing. James Carey. Also, oh, known, I'm so interested. He just wrote a book not long ago, and I'm sure it's gonna be fantastic. No, 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 he. It's been out. Oh, it has. Oh, oh okay. yeah, I didn't it's know like it came a out very yet. weird book. Well, it's Jim Carrey. Of what course. You, you see the guy's artwork. I'm so interested to hear what he likes. Oh, I. It's gonna be one of the ones that you're like, that sounds like a Jim Carrey book. His okay. Favorite book. Why, a little bit of easy reading from 1866. We're talking about Fyodor Dostoevsky's War and Punishment, or Crime and Punishment, not War and Peace. Oh, okay. But Crime and Punishment. One of many books that people always say they read, but they probably haven't because it's all kinds of I actually listened to a portion of it on audiobook. It would take you seven years to listen to? No, it's not that long. Oh, wait, I'm no, I'm getting mixed up with War and Peace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I enjoyed it, but I could tell that audiobook was not the correct medium. It's, oh, it's a no. book that needs to be read, so I do need to go back and finish it up. So if you don't know you know what it's about, it follows the uh, moral dilemmas and mental anguish of Rodion Raskolinovac. I blew that one. Oh, man. <laughs> Russian names are amazing. Yeah. An impoverished ex-student in St. Petersburg who plans to kill an unscrupulous pawnbroker and an old woman who stores his money in her flat. 
mm, stuff doesn't exactly go to plan and he starts feeling guilty about kind of stuff. I'm not going to Guilty. Ruin. He's like tortured in the book. <laughs> yeah, it's not an easy read. I mean, if you haven't read a Dostoevsky book, you're like most of the population, but they are very good. And like, there's no denying that it's always a great piece of literature. And the fact that it's like Jim Carrey's favorite book is kind of surprising to think about. You assume he's going to go something a little goofy not necessarily goofy but a little lighter than it's not as tough as you think it is though it's not one of those like reads that you're like james joyce like i can't get through this like it's not that it's not like that wow little going rough in james joyce there jeez what do you do um are you joking have you read any james joyce of course not i haven't read any james joyce yeah most people have not (laughs) and apparently there's a good reason that is very challenging reading all right well don't go read james joyce go check out some dostoevsky uh and get your damn while you're here rent sonic the hedgehog so that way you can get ready for the sequel that's coming out this summer for a movie what you know he's the star jim carrey's the star of sonic the hedgehog oh is he he's uh the bad guy and he's fabulous oh i did not know where you were going with him oh man yeah you want to see a fun role jim carrey as dr robotnik and chasing uh the little blue hedgehog it's fan go watch it it's great go watch sonic Little Daniel Radcliffe, he's a reader. His favorite novel currently is The Master and Margarita, which I want to say is not good, Daniel Radcliffe. How dare you? So many people love this book. Man, I was tortured reading it. I have not even heard of it. I mean, everyone's like, it's this great explosion of imagination and craziness and satire and humor. And like, yes, it, it does have that i guess the story concerns a visit by the devil to the officially um atheistic soviet union and the master margarita it combines there's like supernatural elements and like i said it's satirical and it's art comedy and christian philosophy it can't really be put into one genre i appreciate that many critics consider this to be one of the best novels of the 20th century is that right there's a giant cat in it, like a human-sized cat Okay. who walks around. I don't know. I it's tried really hard, but I will say, in fairness, I have a lot of difficulty with magical realism books. Mm-hmm. And when people tend to love them and then I read them, I tend to not love them. But you should decide for yourself and read The Master and Margarita. Was the cat walking on two feet or was it on four? It was on two. Ooh. He wore a hat also, I believe. Oh, no boots? I guess that would be kind of I don't remember. I don't remember his whole outfit. And then I'm going to throw in one Bill Gates. I've heard of that guy. Fancy pants guy. His favorite book of the last decade is Steven Pinker's Better Angels of Our Nature, um, which I read when I previously, many years ago, read that it was his favorite book. Um, and I'll say that this is very long. Um, but profound look at the reduction of violence and discrimination over time. So what the book is pretty much saying is that things are getting better, which I was like, yeah, right, things are getting better. I'm going to read this book. And like I said, generally, it is slow and plodding. This is not like pick it up before bedtime, but it is exhaustively researched. Um, And believe it or not, today we are living in the most peaceful moment in our species existence really yes and he really shows us um that despite like ceaseless news about war and crime and terrorism and violence the violence itself has actually been declining over long stretches of history and then when you're reading it you're like yeah that that was worse that was worse so like it's technically getting better so it really opens your eyes and while you're reading it it kind of helps you believe that the future is a little brighter 
Yeah. But then you're going to put it down and turn on the TV and be like, no, it's terrible. Yeah. Oh, then we're not going to get there. We're all going to be in the <laughs> night. It's going to be more Mad Max at the end of this whole thing. Awesome. Yeah, but you should read Better Angels of Our Nature for a little, you know, a little positiveness. A little positivity. A little that's positivity. What, that's what we're trying to bring to you uh, this morning. It's not going well, but we're, we're making it a temple. <laughs> we're, we're getting in there. All right, so let's take a jump to a, another book that was made into a movie that was better than it should have been, but still really hard to watch. Okay. We're going to go with Natalie Portman here and her favorite book, Cloud Atlas by David Mitchell. Uh, I read that book, too. Did you like the book? Um, I, I did. I, I'll okay. give it like a three stars, I think. Okay, and I've seen the movie, and the movie has a bad reputation because, you know, the Wachowskis made it. And it's a hard book to make into a movie, it's a for da- sure. It's a day near impossible, and yeah. I actually think they did a pretty good job with it. Um, so, you know, the, the book itself is about six individual stories that's read and observed by the main character of the next story. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like like a legend kind of thing where they're going back and talking about stuff. Um, but that goes all the way up until the sixth story, because at the time of the sixth story, then they switch chronolo- chronology and they start going backwards. So you start getting resolution to the stories in reverse order. That Which I do like. I like that yeah. style. It's it's one of those books that it, it, it's a windy one. Like you do have to keep reading it. And it does work in book form. Like book form seems the way to check this one out because it just it fits that kind of method or easier. When you're making like a two and a half hour movie, that's already rough enough to get people to sit through. But when you're trying to do like six individual stories and And you got to shove it all in there. Get it all in there. One of them had like a language those chapters were so hard to read because they were kind of creating like an accent or a language. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's, I don't know what you're trying to say. Like, it's very, very difficult. It's so the book had challenges, but I like when people try new weird things. I will always support that. Oh, yeah. And like I said, the movie is better than its reputation would lead you to believe. It's, I think it's almost good. It's right on the right on the cusp right of being a good movie. <laughs> right on it's the cusp definitely of greatness. So, I would recommend watching it once. Don't need to watch it again. We can talk about Tom Hanks's prosthetic nose that's in there for no apparent reason whatsoever. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you're looking for a book that's going to take you places you're not expecting, a nice tight narrative, yeah. check out Cloud Atlas. It's pretty new. It's from 2004. So. And let's talk about the little buddy you just mentioned, Mr. Tom Hanks. Oh, friend gonna, of the show. I'm going to mention a couple books that are, I love very much. How many so about Yellowstone? Favorite, what'd you say? How many about Yellowstone? Zero of those. Um <laughs> His favorite book is In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. That's not surprising. That seems like a Tom Hanks favorite kind of book. Sure, it's a great book. This is the most famous true crime novel of all time. I think it's like the first one almost pretty much, isn't it? That is correct. It's actually, it's one of the first nonfiction novels ever written that like. Okay. Yeah. So um, this is where Truman Capote is reconstructing this murder that took place in a small town in 1959 where four members of the Clutter family were savagely murdered. Um, Ironically, they were all put into one room. But I don't get it. The Clutter family, you put them all in one room. Oh, that was... It's too too early for these jokes. Michelle's not awake. (sighs) But there was no apparent motive for the crime, and there was no clues. And Caputi comes in. Caputi. That was my. That was a principal in middle school. (laughs) Um, Capote kind of comes in and ends up talking with the killers, and he creates this mesmerizing suspense novel. There's astonishing amounts of empathy. It's great. There's a reason Tom Hanks loves it. How can you not trust Tom Hanks, people? I, I, I know I do. Like he tells me, he recommends something. I'm like, all right, Tom. Read Hanks. Tom Hanks. And then Issa Rae. I love Issa Rae. 
I'm a fan. I love her so much. And again, one of her choices here is in my top 10 all-time books is The Alchemist. I've Everyone, never, I've never read that one. I know I've heard bro, of it. Bro, what but are you doing not reading The Alchemist? I'm, you know, I'm watching bad TV shows. Man. Like, <laughs> I, can... I got The Expanse to watch, man. Um, Issa Rae said that she read this during a transitional period in her life, and it just made her think differently. This book combines magic and mysticism and wisdom and wonder. It's the most inspiring tale of self-discovery. Um it really kind of champions being spiritually connected to the universe. And I don't mean that to sound cheesy. Like this isn't like I burn essential oils and I'm connected to the universe. Namaste. This is like the real deal. It's so beautiful. And that's why it's a modern classic. It has sold millions of copies around the world. And I think it's really transformed the lives of countless readers across generations. It's fantastic. If you've missed it because you're one of those people who – I understand. It's like, oh, I hate those books that everybody talks about and loves. No, no, no. Just go get The Alchemist. Go, I go, promise. Go check it out, everyone. There's I a, promise. There's a reason it's such a beloved book. Yes, it's absolutely. Funny. It's funny that Tom Hanks is a Capote fan because I actually have another one who is another Capote fan. Okay. <clears throat> Turns out Scarlett Johansson is a fan as well. She marked her favorite book as Summer Crossing by Truman Capote, which is his first uh, first novel. So, oh, I don't know that one at all. I, I, well, never I only read it. In Cold Blood. So, well, I mean, that's that's the good one. That's like if you're reading Stephen King, you're probably checking out well, The Shining and stuff like and that. And yet she says, um, but you know, it's a novel about you know a murder that happens in 1943. Um, here's the thing: the reason you might not know about it is because it was a manuscript that he started and written, but it was never actually published. It came out actually in 2005 when they were able to find out the entire oh. manuscript, and that's when it was put out. Okay, so you know. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a it's a crime story. I'm not going to ruin it too much for you. It's about yeah, please don't. It involves some Protestant debutantes um, refusing to go through some ritual, summer rituals that she's a part of in her family, and like you know, somebody gets murdered and there's Uh-oh. death and destruction. Uh oh. But the fact but that but it's a fiction book he wrote. It is, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's interesting to think that like this book was gone for like 60 years, and then somebody was like found it in like a drawer somewhere or something. Well, like, wasn't that kind of what happened with the Harper Lee book? Yeah, kind of. Where yeah, they're like, so we need some more money. We'll just make this. And, whether they, whether and then the author I wonder, like, did not. the author want it out? That's the real well, question. I kind of feel like no. I feel like that's why they put it in the drawer. And or like, they would have put it out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, if I wanted it out, I would have put the book out. Um, yeah. You know what's another one? I got another one real quick. Sure. Um, Harry Styles, new member of the MCU for anybody and guy who I'm not even totally sure what he's done in his career. But Are you joking? No, I'm not. I mean, he's, Harry Styles? He's he, like. Probably, he, I'd say he's the biggest star in the whole entire world right now. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not a 15-year-old <laughs> British girl or anything. So That's I just it. weird, though, Jacob. It's like being like, I don't know, Justin Timberlake I know is. who he is, but I don't know what he did. What, what did he do? He's in some band, I'm sure. He was in a band, and now mm-hmm. he's a solo artist. Mm, so he's Justin Timberlake. British Justin Timberlake is what he is. Pretty much, yeah. yes. That yeah. is correct. But not the point. But I do like his book choice, because his favorite book, the 1987 Haruki Murakami book, Norwegian Wood. I love Murakami so much. He's a great author. And I actually saw the movie for this book, which was pretty good, actually. Oh, okay. So if you don't know who Murakami is, first of all, you need to get on that, bro, because he's a pretty good author to have in your stable. Uh, but he's kind of a depressing author. So this he's one- He's a weirdo. He's a weirdo, too. So you have to like the weird, because that's what mm-hmm. you're getting into. Yeah. He's, he, what do you call quirky, eccentric, I would think he, what people would recommend him as? Gee, I don't know. <laughs> so- 
basically what the story is about is a young Japanese student is coming back to his hometown after a couple of years being gone. And he starts going through some old memories when he hears this Beatles song, Norwegian Wood, which is mm-hmm. what the title is. Talk about obscure ones. And it makes him think about his old best friend and his best friend's girlfriend. Uh, his best friend killed himself when they were teenagers. And then his girlfriend, who he was also friends with, kind of goes nuts. And those two kind of have a relationship possibly going forward. Is it terrible that I I have to look at my Goodreads right now because I don't know if I read that. Yeah. It's, like it sounds, fr- I didn't think I read it, but it sounds so familiar. You, you might have. You might have like got it like through the through the grapevine or something. But like it's a story about like loss and thinking about like, um, how your life has changed and major events. He's and there's like regret in there also because obviously if your best friend kills your kills himself, you're kind of like, well, what could I have done to help him? Like, is there something yes. I could have done? I did read Norwegian Wood. Oh, oh, good. You check out. I only gave that one three stars though, which is my lowest of any Murakami book. I'm just gonna say well, it's no one Q84. Well, what what can be? That book was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, involved relationships with um, the ex going on. It's it's a pretty good book, a pretty decent movie too. So if you want to get something a little out of the wheelhouse, man, go check that one out. Yeah, anything by him is definitely out of the wheelhouse. All right, I'm gonna bring one that people are gonna be like, Ugh, but stop it. Especially people who haven't read it, then you are not allowed to say anything. We're talking about Sir Michael Caine, also known as Mike Caine. Thank you. His favorite book is The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. Oh. Exactly, someone who has not read it. Um, This is the revolutionary literary vision that sowed the seeds of objectivism. That's Ayn Rand's groundbreaking philosophy. And it's the whole thing is that the idea is that man's ego is the fountainhead of human progress. Now, I just want to state, I don't know why people forget this and struggle so hardly. You don't have to agree with Ayn Rand's politics to recognize that this is an amazing book. She is an amazing writer. The story is so powerful. I have read a bunch of books by Ayn Rand. I am not, (laughs) I don't agree with objectivism, but I mean, just read them as characters in the story. Um, She's not meaning for it to be taken literally. And then if you learn about her background, it makes more sense why she feels the way that she feels. But honestly, The Fountainhead, yeah. I'm one of those, oh, people. I'll take your word for it. If you're saying it's a good lit- piece of literature, I'm never against people like checking out stuff. Oh, it's an amazing piece of literature. Atlas Shrugged is also, they're they're just fantastic. Um, but again, you don't ad- have to agree adapted, with, with the person. Adapted for the video games uh, Bioshock. The Bioshock series is based a lot in the Ayn Rand kind of philosophy and world and hmm. kind of points out why it won't and doesn't work and why it's terrible. Well, but, if you grow up in a communist nation where you're very unhappy, you're going to kind of reach the other way. Sure. I think it's understandable. To- totally understandable, man. you got to go for something because communism ain't the way to go. That, that ain't it, I'll tell you that much. Speaking of things that ain't it, last one real quick from me. Go check out Confederacy of Dunces, which, not surprisingly, is Ryan Reynolds' favorite book. Surprising, not surprising. Is it? Yeah, it's what he says. I mean, he, he was a big fan of the Deadpool books as well, which is kind of how he became Deadpool. He spent like 15 years trying to get that movie made, and nobody would ever make it Confederacy for him. Confederacy of Dunces has my most hated character I ever read in a book. Really? Yes, I hate Ignatius Riley so much, I still hate him. Why do you? Why he's do you a terrible. Him? He's a terrible character. He's meant to be terrible. Well, okay. And it is successful. So, go, if you want to read a book that Michelle's like, I hate this guy with every so fiber of my being. <laughs> um, it did win some awards. Like it was, uh, it won the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction in 1981. Um, it's considered a canonical work of modern literature in the Southern United States. So, 
You know, it's a pretty serious book. But It's really sad. The author was young. He wrote it and he thought it was trash and no publishers liked it. And mm-hmm. he took his own life. Yeah, it's like oh, it's an Edgar Allan Poe kind of deal. And man. then his mom took it to places and they were like, this is a brilliant book. It's yeah. like, oh, great. Yeah. What 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 else could great. this dude have done if somebody would have just read the manuscript earlier? Yeah. So, you know, go check that one out, everybody. Get some Ryan Reynolds on. He, he knows what he's talking about. George Clooney says his favorite book is War and Peace. I wonder. Okay. I wonder. I wonder. I've read some Tolstoy, and that's that ain't easy. That is not no, easy to get no, no, through. No. Anna Karenina was like, please be over soon. But um, Matt Damon, his Matt favorite Damon. book is A People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn. Yep. Everyone should be reading that. This is Zinn presents a different side of history than the more traditional, like fundamental nationalist glorification of country. Sure. He's kind of showing a side of American history that can largely be seen as the exploitation and manipulation of the majority by I, rigged systems that I have hugely re- favor a small aggregate of elite rulers. I mean, I've read that one. It's a good book. That's a good choice by Matt Damon, actually. Oh, yeah. And it seems very Matt Damon because he gets very political. But it's I, it's but, extremely interesting. And they've created like a young reader's edition. If you were like wanted your kids to read it, but you're like, oh, they're a little young. It's big, a lot of context. You know, there's a young one that might help them out. And if you want to re- check out Ben Affleck's favorite book, uh, you know, just go get the Lorax. That's uh, available at our local library. We got that one for you. What's wrong with you? It's awful Affleck. Why do you? I say Aflac like the duck commercial. Okay, I do it intentionally as a dig as uh, towards men. It's, it's on purpose. Steven Spielberg loves Last of the Mohicans. Good choice. I've never read that book, but I did obviously love the movie very much. I, that's it's probably the better way to go. When right. you get a good book version of or movie version of a book, it sometimes it's the way to go. And if it stars Daniel Day Lewis, you bet your you bet yourself that's when you want to go. Do with. we not have any Catcher in the Rye people? Oh, I have Jennifer Lawrence. She says her favorite book. Is a uh, catcher in the rye? No, I, I don't felt have like any we were gonna have like a million, but I, we I have... feel like I like avoided it on purpose. Like I saw a catcher in the rye, and I immediately was like, nope, well, nope. It's not. It's. Nope. I mean, I remember enjoying it when I was young. Let's so let's I think books Ro- stick with people. Let's say Robert De Niro recommends Catcher in the Rye. I don't know why he would, but he did. Oh, boy. I'm almost (laughs) glad we're out of time. Jacob, plug us up. So do you want some other books that celebrities might um, like? Do you want to grab a book and a movie, kind of put them as a combo? We got you covered there. Stop by your local library. We got 37 branches all throughout Erie County. Stop on by and pick one up. Also, don't forget to visit our website at www.buffalolib.org. See what we got going on and what the hours are for your local branch. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at allbookedupod and let us know which celebrity books you want to read, and you can reach out to them and annoy them about their choices at the same time. Oh, yeah. We love pestering people. Did you know the largest collection of books consists of 1.5 million books? This is a privately owned collection. It's in the Guinness Book of World Records. One person owns 1.5 million books. Bet you they didn't read half of them. I mean, how could he? They're owned by John Q. Benham. He lives in Indiana in the U.S. Um, He has to keep his books in so many different places because obviously there's not even enough room in his house. So they're in the garage and he has... Um, this two-story building that he built just for his books. I guess Jeez. he's got books outside, which can't be good for them, but that's I, a book lover. I There's got to be all the silverfish. All the silverfish in the world. <laughs> yes, I'm just moving into them. Um, Paulo Coelho, that's who wrote The Alchemist, his parents committed him to an asylum oh. because they didn't want him to be a writer. So get this, he was raised... Um, could just take away his pen, but... <laughs> I mean, if you want to throw him in, another. you throw him in asylum too. I he guess. was raised in a devoutly Catholic household, and he went to Jesuit school. And he knew as a kid that he wanted to be a writer, but his parents weren't thrilled. They wanted him to be an engineer. 
And he said that they did everything they could to dissuade him. They tried to bribe him. They cut off all of the money um, that they gave to him. And they tried a psychiatrist and then they lost hope. And they were like, we love you, but you're crazy. Like, we think you're actually crazy. So they put him in a mental institution three times, starting when he was 17. But he always escaped. Well, he's, and then he's wrote, reading all them books, man. What, he the wrote, greatest like, book of all time. Yeah, he, like, he wrote, wrote The Great Escape, man. He's like, I know how to get out of here. You're not, you're not catching me. <laughs> and what's my last fact here? Oh, I thought this one was cute. Green eggs and ham. Um, I've read that one. Uh, there you go. That was the result of a bet. So publisher Bennett Cerf bet um, Dr. Seuss that he couldn't write a book using only 50 words. He did. He won 50 bucks and probably one of the most famous children's books of all time. That I, is amazing. That is fantastic. I, I love the idea of the of Dr. Seuss just being like, you know what? I'm uh, going to do it. I'm going to do, do it, it and I'm going to do it well. I'm going to do it in 48 words. <laughs> annoy you. All right. That's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening and we will catch you next time. Bye.